you got your message notes, I want to encourage you to pull those out. We're in this series, Breaking Free. Now, I had a couple questions come in this week. Uh, the same question from different people came in this week that I felt like I needed to answer and address today. And the question was simply this. Does God give us strongholds to replace the negative strongholds that we're breaking? So if we, we break free of all these negative strongholds, does God give us positive strongholds in our life to kind of replace the negative? Uh, I know there was a small group this week that discussed that. The answer is, I wish he did. It would make being a Christian so much easier. Like, I wish God would give me a stronghold to reading the Bible. Like, I wish I was addicted to reading the Bible like some people are addicted to heroin. It would make my spiritual life so much better. It, it really would. Like, I wish I was addicted to prayer the way people are addicted to cocaine. I, my prayer life would be through the roof if that was the case. The reality is God does not give strongholds. Nothing healthy is addictive. You know, you, 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 you can create healthy appetites and healthy desires, but they will never become addictive in the sense of, you know, what it's like, you know, to be an alcoholic or a drug addict or, you know, really be in bondage to a stronghold. Because here's the thing, you can have a healthy appetite and fall off the wagon and go to Krispy Kreme and, and load up on a dozen. You know what I'm saying? Amen. When you're an alcoholic, you don't fall off the wagon. Like when you're a heroin addict, you don't fall off the wagon. You're stuck. Like you are enslaved to that without God delivering you and setting you free. And so the reality is God is not going to enslave you to any spiritual discipline. He's not going to enslave you to prayer. He's not going to enslave you to reading your Bible. You may enjoy it, but it will never be slavery because God wants you to have free will. God wants you to get to choose to worship him as opposed to be forced into something against your will, which is what a stronghold is. A stronghold is something that, that you'd love to get out of your life, but for whatever reason, you just can't stop doing like, like it's, it, it's stuck, and until God delivers you, it's just a part of your life. So let's jump into the message today. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 is our foundation. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare, we have weapons. There are weapons that you have at your disposal, weapons that you can use to fight these spiritual battles. Our weapons are not carnal, but they are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. So let me say, I don't care how long you've lived with it, how long you've done it, how deep it is in your life, whatever it is, that stronghold in your life, that area that you wish wasn't in your life, that area that you know if this was not part of my life, my life would be so much better. My marriage would be better. My relation, if I could just not do this anymore, not do it as much, my life would be better. Well, you need to know today that God has weapons available to you that can pull down that stronghold in your life. You don't have to live with that stronghold. That stronghold can be broken and you can find freedom in your life. He says, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And that's how strongholds are, are, are formed. If you remember week one, we talked about Satan can't touch you. Like, like, I hope you understand Satan can't touch you. All Satan can do is feed you a lie. And if you believe that lie, you put yourself in bondage. You hurt yourself. And the way he feeds you that lie is he argues with you. He takes a lie and he argues with you and he argues with you until he can convince you that that lie is higher than God, that, that it becomes a high thing where it's above God. Like, like here's God's truth for life. Well, we know more than God's truth. That was written thousands of years ago and we're advanced, we're enlightened. We now have higher ways of living and it puts us in bondage. And so Paul says, bring every thought into captivity to the 
obedience of Christ. Now again, the obedience of Christ was the cross. Jesus was obedient unto death on the cross, the Bible tells us. So here's how this works. Because I know some Bible translations, they take every thought, make it obey Christ. You can't make your thoughts obey. Try it. Like You can't make your thoughts obey, but what you can do is replace your thoughts with something else. So what Paul says is bring it to the obedience of Christ. What is that? The cross, the truth, the truth that you are forgiven, the truth that you are under grace, the truth that you are righteous in Christ. So you take those negative lies, those negative thoughts, and you bring it to the truth, and you say, look, that's not who I am. I don't have to live that way. I'm not under that. This is my identity, because when you believe in who you are, you treat yourself accordingly. And this is what Paul talks about. So, so to review this word stronghold, because that's what we're looking at, the word stronghold in the Greek is the Greek word akurama, and in every Bible dictionary, here's what it means. A prisoner locked by deception, living life by something that is not true. Somebody who's locked in deception, living life by something that is not true, and that's a tragedy. What a tragedy it is to be living in a bondage by something you could very easily walk away from, you just don't believe you can. Like, like you're convinced it's true, but it's not true. It's a lie, and the only thing that is holding you is what you believe. And that's what we've talked about during this series. The issue is not your behavior. I know some of you feel like, no, 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 my issue is my behavior. If I could stop doing this, and if I would stop doing that... My life would be so much better. No, the issue is not your behavior, it's what you believe. Because what you believe is determining what you do. It's always a battle of the mind. That's why it says take every thought captive. It's a battle in your mind. So the series, we've been looking at Satan's three big ones, pride, greed, and lust. Last week we dealt with pride. Next week we're going to deal with greed. This week we're dealing with lust. We're dealing with the sexual strongholds of our culture, the sexual lies that the world wants us to believe. And can I tell you, we are under assault right now in the area of our sexuality. It is in the media, it is in the news, it is in politics, it is in our education system, and it is destroying people's lives. Anything outside of God's parameters for sexuality hurts it's destructive. It destroys. And unfortunately, the church has been horribly silent on this subject. You don't hear a lot of messages anymore on sex. And the world is rapidly going in this way of sexual immorality. And the Bible actually predicts that the generation right before the return of Christ, so, so when Jesus is going to come back, the last generation before Jesus comes back is going to become increasingly promiscuous as a society, and as a culture. And that's exactly what we're seeing today. Now let me give you some ground rules for today's message, because anytime you deal with, with, with sexual struggle, sexual hurt, sexual you know, immorality, or, or sin, it always hits a nerve. Because almost every single one of us has a past. We've got areas that We've done things that we regret. We've been hurt in this area. Things have happened. Things that we've chosen to do. Uh, to be very honest, this was my stronghold for 23 years of my life. So this is an area that, that I'm very confident in that God can and will set you free because I lived 23 years with this stronghold, not believing I could ever be free, but God delivered me 10 years ago and it's been an incredible journey living in the truth and the freedom of what Christ 
has for me and my identity as opposed to living in the bondage that I felt hopeless for years. So the rule is all of us, every single one of us here today live in a fallen world. And some of our fallenness is no worse than anyone else's fallenness. We're all fallen. So I say that to say there is no condemnation. There is no stigma on if this is your struggle versus that being your struggle. There's no stigma here. This is a no perfect people allowed church. There is no condemnation, and we don't want anyone today to feel condemned. Anything the Holy Spirit reveals today, if it hits a nerve, it's not to inflict pain, it's to bring healing in your life. It's to cover that area with His hope and His truth so that you can be healed. The truth is God created sex. I don't know if you ever thought about it like this. There was a time in history there was no such thing as sex. Like a long, 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 long time ago, there was no such thing as sex. And all of a sudden, God said to an angel standing by, I got a great idea. I'm going to do something, and they're going to love it. And ever since, Satan has been trying to pervert it and destroy it and break it. You know, and, and, and again, the church hasn't said a lot about this. I grew up in a church that taught sex is dirty, ugly, and bad. Save it for the one you love. I mean, that doesn't work. I mean, you know, that doesn't work. God... God is pro-sex, and His way is so much better than the world's way. And I'm not here today to give you a message of right and wrong. You don't need to hear right and wrong. It's much, 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 much bigger than right and wrong. It's not that God's way is right and the world's way is wrong, because again, that's all I heard growing up in church. The issue is God's way works and the world's way hurts. The world's way creates wounds and scars and emotional baggage and emotional pain. So it's the issue of God's way actually works. So let's stop letting the world define sex and let's go to who created it. And all sexual sin lies in a philosophy. It's rooted in this idea that if it feels good, do it. Like if it feels good, your body knows best. Whatever your body wants, whatever your body craves, you need to give in to those desires. That's the root of it. And the Bible predicts there would be a generation that buys into this lie. In Romans 12, it says they knew God. So they knew about God. And this is a picture of America. Because this is a country that knows God, but they wouldn't worship Him as God. So we know God. We're, 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 a, we're a Christian nation, but we're not going to worship Him as God. We're not going to make Him the authority of our life. We're not going to give Him rulership. We're not going to put Him in charge. And so here's what happened. They began to think of foolish ideas of what God was like. So we have a culture today that's redefining God. We're redefining what we think God believes, what we think God thinks. And we're coming up with, with all new words like gender and orientation and gender identity, redefining things the Bible has not been silent about trying to fit it into what we desire, trying to fit it into to where our culture is at today. In other words, I'm not going to do what, what you say. I'm going to do what I want to do. And that's the question. What do you do when you don't understand? What do you do when you don't even like what the Bible says? Because you're going to read things you don't like. What do you do? What do you do when it's not popular with culture today? Well, regardless of what culture says, I'm going with God. Because he is my creator and he wrote the book and he knows how to get the most out of this life and he knows what's best for me. And I'm here today to tell you that God is not trying to hurt you or take all of your fun away. He's trying to help you and he's trying to bless you. It goes on to say as a result, meaning you can put it to the test, you can experiment with this. 
Like, I hope you don't, but you can try, and you're going to see the results are the same. Their minds became dark and confused. That's our world today. Anxiety, depression are at an all-time high in our society. And yet we live in a world with more scientific advancement, more technology, more, more discovery than any other civilization in history, and yet it's not helping. Like we know more than we've ever known, but it's not working. It's not helping, and we're dark, and we're confused, claiming to be wise. Like we know better than God. We're smarter than God. That was written a long time ago. We know more today. Instead, they became utter fools. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies, and they traded, and here's what the series is about, the truth about God for a lie, and that's where a stronghold is created. Anytime you trade God's truth in any area of your life for a lie, strongholds are developed and created in your life. Sexual sin is rooted in a lie, and before I get into the solution, again, we need to, we need to expose the lies that our culture is feeding us today. Here's the first lie that Satan, culture, the world wants you to believe. Sex is an animalistic action. It's an animalistic action. The enemy wants you to believe that you're just animals. Like You can't control it. Just act on it. That's why we call the talk the birds and the bees, right? Because it's all, we're all animals, and you can't control it, and they can't control it. So just be safe, son. Here's, here, here's some protection. Just be safe. Because you're just animals. You, you can't control this. It's an animalistic. You, just, you need to act on your feelings. And it's gone so far that the world right now is saying that your feelings is actually who you are. Your feelings are now your identity. Can I tell you, your feelings do not define you. You are not what you feel. You were made in the image of God. That's who you are. Now, here's the problem with that statement, because I've seen a debate in Christianity, not even talking about the world outside the church, but in Christianity, you've got one, one group in Christianity that are very, very conservative, the, the conservative Christian side of Christianity, and then you've got a more liberal side of Christianity, and there's a debate going on, especially in this area regarding the, the issue of the LGBTQ movement. You've got conservative Christians using Genesis 1, and you've got the liberal Christians both using Genesis 1. The problem is they both ignore Genesis 3. So both sides quote Genesis 1, you're made in the image of God. So you've got the conservative saying, you weren't born that way, you're made in the image of God. That's a sin. But then you've got the liberals who say, well, if I was made in the image of God, and this is the way God created me, this must be okay. You see, both sides agree with Genesis 1. Both sides ignore Genesis 3. Genesis 3 is man became sinners. You see, the reality is every single one of us were born that way. It just manifests differently in all of us. All of us were born sinners. We just have different bents towards sin than other people. But every single one of us were born in sin and have a manifestation of sin. It's not, it's not our identity. It's the curse that Adam passed down to us that affects all of our life. And we've got to get off the high horse thinking that this sin is somehow worse than that sin. Because can I be very honest? Being a heterosexual Christian doesn't make Christianity any easier. I have yet to meet a man predisposition towards monogamy. You know what I'm saying? So the goal of Christianity is not to become a heterosexual. God never said, I'm a heterosexual, therefore be heterosexual. He said, I'm holy, therefore be holy. The goal for every Christian, no matter what your leaning is, is holiness. What does holy sexuality 
look like. So we do not act on our feelings. Truth is, if I follow my feelings, I would not be your pastor right now. I'd be in jail if I follow my feelings, because there's a plenty of people who cut me off in traffic where my feelings want to take me somewhere. And I've got to say no to those feelings. Here's the second lie. Sex is a recreational activity. Sex is a recreation. It's just two bodies enjoying each other. What's the big deal? Like we're just having fun. Like, like, like we're, we're, we're friends with benefits. Like, like, like nobody's getting hurt. It's just recreational. No. God says sex is much, much more than that. It's two people literally becoming one flesh, Genesis 2 says. Well, come on, pastor. It was spring break. I didn't even know her name. Like it was a business trip. It was a one-night stand. I'll never, I'll never see them again. No, it's two people being fused together at the deepest possible level. You know, and, and why we're on the subject of recreation, let's get into another lie, the lie that I hear a lot of young people saying today, practice makes perfect. Like, don't you need to get some practice in before you get married so you don't look stupid when you get married? I actually had a teenager say that to me. Like, I, I want to know what I'm doing before I get married so I, uh, so I don't look stupid. Well, if you're single here today, if you're a teenager here today, you're not married here today, let me give you a piece of wisdom. Here is what no married person ever said to another married person. I'm so glad you practiced before we met. You are so good at this. We should enter a contest. Can I tell you, no one has ever said that. See, the more practice you get before you're married, the more you destroy your future marriage without God's healing, without God's grace. See, you want to save yourself for one person because when you, when you have that interaction, you are fused together and you give a part of your soul to that person. And if you give your soul to many different people, your soul is ripped and torn apart. By the time you get married, it's, it's, it's ugly and it creates so much damage and destruction that many marriages today don't even survive the soul ties from before they were married. Not even talking about sin, sin within the marriage. I'm talking about stuff that happened before the marriage. You need God's healing. And we actually have a small group, our Freedom Small Group. We deal with this, and we have a whole session at our conference breaking these soul ties in your life so that your marriage can be healthy and whole. Here's another lie. Sex is an isolated event. This may be the biggest one that you discover today, the biggest lie in our culture today. It's rooted in this commercial, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Can I tell you what happens in Vegas shows up in the counseling room? What happens in Vegas come home with you. What happens in Vegas does not stay in Vegas. It haunts your future. It doesn't matter if it was a one night stand. It doesn't even matter if it's pornography. It's not isolated. Like you may think, well, I'm not hurting anyone else. It's just me and my computer. I'm just, I'm just looking at porn. Nobody else is involved. It's, it's isolated. No, you're hurting your future. Do you, do you realize pornography is a school? like geography, you know, like all the geographies that, that, you know, you take in university. Pornography is a school. They call it the school of pornography, and you can actually get a master's degree in pornography. And when you, when you enlist in the school of pornography, here, here's what you're learning. Number one, a real body isn't good enough. 
There are young people, young men all over America discovering this to be true right now because they believe the lie that I can binge on pornography now and when I get married, I won't need it anymore because I'll have a real body. And what we're discovering right now through research is there's young men getting married and now that they're married, they don't want their wife's body. They would rather watch porn and masturbate. And it's killing newlyweds and young married couples right now in America. Because they enlisted in this school and they learned this class and it's now hurting their future. Here's what else you learn. One body isn't good enough. I can never be satisfied by one person. I need many people. Like I can never tie myself down. This is what you're training your mind to believe. And then the third thing you learn is your wife's body isn't good enough. Like she'll never, no matter how beautiful she is, she'll never be enough for you. This is what you're learning when you binge on pornography, when you watch pornography. And can I tell you, God can set you free of this. I I dealt with that for 23 years of my life, never believing I could be free. Living in darkness, living in a lie. And I'm here today to tell you, God absolutely, through His grace, can deliver you and set you free. Because it's destroying lies. And you can deal with it now. You can break it now. Whether you're married, whether you're single, you can deal with it now and see yourself free in Jesus' name. Here's the last lie. Sex is just physical. It's just sport. It's like, it's like playing flag football. Like, like it, it's, just, it's just fun. As long as nobody gets pregnant, nobody gets hurt, and nobody gets a disease, it's all fun and games. It's just physical. Like, like, what's the big deal? Sex is not just physical. Sex is spiritual at the deepest possible level. And I can prove it to you. Let me ask you a question, and every single one of you know the answer to this question in your heart. Like you know in your heart the truth. So let me prove to you sex is not just physical. If sex is just physical, how come? How come there's a massive difference between somebody who's been physically beaten up and somebody who's been sexually assaulted or raped? In your heart, you know there's a difference. You know the pain is different. You know the baggage is different. You know the scar is different. You know the emotional hurt is different. Why? Why do you know in your heart that there's a difference between... If, if sex was just physical, someone that's been raped, you just tell them, well, just get over it. Just shake it off. It's no big deal. Move on. But you can't do that, can you? Because it's not just physical. It's spiritual at the deepest possible level. You see, God created this gift that is so beautiful and that is so amazing and it's so fragile and precious that it can easily be broken if you don't take care of it and create damage for years to come without His grace. Now, thank God. We've seen couples in our church break this area unbelievably and God has restored them to some of the most incredible marriages in our church. But if you haven't broken it, take care of this beautiful area of your life, because Satan wants to destroy intimacy in your life. And the way he does it is is he leads you to create sexual encounters without intimacy, so he can destroy your ability to be intimate. Either sexual encounters with yourself, or sexual encounters with people you don't know, or one night stands, or, or people that you're not committed to. And all sex outside of God's parameters, which is one man, one woman, in a biblically defined marriage, is destructive. And it has painful painful consequences. So let me clue you into Satan's goal for your life. Here's his his master plan for those of you, especially that are not married. Here's his master plan for your life. 
Satan wants you to have all the sex you can possibly have before you get married so that you'll stop having sex after you get married. And he's winning if you study the research. That's exactly what's happening. People who cite high sexual activity before, even if, even if the sexual activity is only with the person they marry, after they get married, there's, there's, there's research that says incredibly low marital sexual satisfaction going on. Some couples sleeping together, married couples, once every nine months. I mean, that, that, that's how ugly it is. Like once, I mean, can you, is that, is that, was that your dream growing up? Like, I want to get married and have sex once every nine months. No. See, here's God's plan for your life. God wants you to protect this, this beautiful, incredibly precious area of your life before you get married so that you can actually enjoy it for years and years and years to come after you're married. And you look at the research, and couples will tell you, the ones that did it God's way walking into marriage, they love it, and, and they're frequent, and they're regular. It's like, it's like weekly or more than weekly, and that's the research. And they're very, very happy and satisfied. Like, what do you want? Again, it's not about right and wrong. It's about God's way works, the world's way hurts. You have to decide what you want. Here's what the Bible says about this area. 1 Corinthians 6, do you not know? And again, they didn't know. Just like our culture today, they don't know this stuff. Like, no one is teaching this stuff. You're not hearing this at school. Now, Paul's talking to the city of Corinth. Corinth was the most highly sexualized city in the history of the world. You think Las Vegas is bad? Corinth was another level to Vegas. I mean, they, they, they got together in city festivals and would have temple orgies and prostitution to celebrate as a festival in the city. That's how ugly this is. I mean, it, it was bad. And so Paul says, do you not know? And they didn't know. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? So you, your body belongs to Christ. Shall I then take the member of Christ and unite? That's the Greek word koleo. Unite them with a prostitute? Never. To which the people would have responded, no, 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 Paul, you got it all wrong. We're not uniting. That, that word kaleo means to fuse together at the deepest possible level. And Paul's not just knocking on prostitutes. He's talking about any sexual activity outside of marriage. He's using prostitutes because it's the city of Corinth, but th this is anything. He says, you're kaleo. You're, you're fusing yourself together at the deepest possible level level. And the people would have said, no, 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 Paul, you got it all wrong. That's not what we're doing. We're just having fun. This is just, you know, we, we don't even know the person. Like this is, this is just sport. It's isolated. It's recreational. We're just having a good time. We're not doing that. And Paul said, oh, oh, oh no, you are. Oh, yes, you are. He goes on to say, do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her. Like, you become one with every person you have sex with. A piece of your soul goes with them, and a piece of their soul goes with you. For it is said, the two will become one flesh. And then, he, and then he gives us the solution. He says, flee from sexual immorality. Flee, run, get away from it, go as far as you possibly can. All other sins. Now, he's about to put sexual sin in its own category. He's about to say sexual sin is different than every other type of sin. Not because God hates it more. Let me be very, very clear. God does not hate sexual sin any worse than any other sin. The reason it's its own category is not because God hates it more, but because it hurts you more. Sexual sin hurts you in ways no other sin has the ability to hurt you in. 
because it hurts you at the deepest possible levels of your life. And those of you who've experienced this know this to be true. He said, all other sins a man commits are outside of his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. And that's what we want to learn how to do. That's what we're going to look at today. Because one day, if you're single, one day you're going to have to tell a story. Single people, listen to me. One day you're going to tell a story, and that story is going to be your sexual history. And you're going to tell this story to the You're either going to lie to them or you're going to tell them the truth. And your story can go one of two ways. You know, before I met you, I had many different partners, and I was sexually active, and, and I slept with all these different people. But now that I met you, I'm ready to settle down. Or your story could be, yeah, I have a past, and, and there, there is a season of my life where I made a lot of mistakes in this area. But then I heard the truth of God, and I decided, you know what, I'm going to commit to doing it God's way. And I allowed God to heal me and restore my purity. And for the last three or four years, I've been living pure before God, and I'm now ready to commit my life to you. you got one or two stories that you're going to have to tell one day. Now, those of you that are not Christian who are sitting here today and are thinking to yourself, well, all of this is good for you guys because you guys are Christian, but I don't believe in the Bible. I don't believe in God. This is not for me. Sex is a preference for me. L let me be honest with you. Sex is not a preference. And the reason sex is not a preference is because it has a predictable outcome. If it has a predictable outcome, it can't be a preference. Art is a preference. I like this art. I like that art. There's no, there's no predictable outcome to that. Food is like sex. There is a predictable outcome to food. If you eat certain types of food or certain quantities of food, there's a predictable outcome in your body. Sex operates the same way. It has a predictable outcome. And so I would pay attention. So how do we overcome the sexual strongholds of our life. Well, Paul says in Thessalonians, God wants you to be pure and to keep clear of all sexual sin for your benefit. Not for his benefit, for your benefit. I want you to hear the heart of God. He's not asking you to do this for him. He's asking you to do this for you. For God has not called us to be dirty-minded and full of lust, but to be holy and clean. So let me give you five points to begin you on the journey to dealing with this. And again, our Freedom Small Group, our Conquer Small Group, we have a number of small groups that'll walk you through this uh, in a more in-depth way. Here's number one, begin the journey with grace. Nothing works if you don't do step one. I, I lived in bondage for 23 years, and I tried all of the steps, but I never tried step one. And without step one, none of the other steps work. And here's why. Romans 6 says, you shall, sin shall no longer be your master. For 23 years, sin was my master, but it said, sin will not be your master anymore. Why? Because you're not under the law, you're under grace. When I learned to place my life under grace, when I learned that I was forgiven and I was righteous and that I was accepted by God because of what Jesus did, not because of what I was doing. Because I'll tell you, when you're looking at porn, you don't feel righteous. But the truth is, when you're looking at porn, you're just as righteous as you've ever been. Because your righteousness is not something you earn. Your righteousness is a gift that Jesus gave you because of what he did. And the sooner you begin to believe in who you are, the sooner you'll treat yourself that way. Because it's all about the mind. If you believe you're a sinner, you're going to act like a sinner. If you believe you're righteous, you'll treat yourself like you're righteous. That's why the Holy Spirit wants to convict you, not of sin. You don't need the Holy Spirit to convict you of sin. You know when you sin. 
You need the Holy Spirit to convict you of righteousness because it changes your heart. You see, the, the, the sexual sin stronghold is rooted in shame. You feel dirty. You feel broken. You feel isolated. You feel like you're the only one. You feel like nobody will understand. That's why grace is the remedy. The woman caught in adultery, they brought her to Jesus. Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. What did he do? He gave her grace. He put her under grace. He said, listen, there's no condemnation here. I'm placing you under grace. And when he placed her under grace, then he gave her the power to walk away from sin. Now you can go and sin no more. She couldn't go and sin no more until she was under grace. So the first thing Jesus did said, listen, I'm not going to condemn you. I'm going to put you under grace. You're not condemned in my presence. Now you have the power to go and sin no more. And that was my story. I tried to sin no more. It didn't work until I was under his grace, until I, until I understood I was not condemned. I didn't have the power to go and sin no more. Here's the second thing that happened is you make a commitment to God's way. When I got under grace, I realized God's way works. God's way is right. I want to go God's way. And I know some of you today are thinking, well, I've already messed up. Like I've already blown it. I've already gone too far in this area. It can't be fixed. Can I tell you, nobody's gone too far in this area. There's not a person here that's gone past the blood of Jesus. He can forgive you. He can cleanse you. Isaiah puts it like this, though your sins are like scarlet, though your sexual history and past is a bloody mess, it's left you wounds, it's left you hurts, it's left you scars, you have regrets, you have things you're ashamed of, you have things that you've broken, though it's like scarlet, here's the good news, it'll become white as snow. God can restore your purity. God can restore your innocence today through His grace. Though they are red as crimson, they will be like wool. It's powerful. It's beautiful. So what do we do? Come out from among them and be separate. So we gotta, we, we got to come out from the way the world is doing things, and we got to buy into God's way, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you, and I will be a father to you. He becomes our father relationally, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Here's the third thing, and this one's huge. i got to manage my mind. Y your mind is on a diet, and you've got to decide what kind of food you're putting into your mind. You've got to decide what you're eating, because there are certain things you're eating that are triggering you. Like There are certain shows on Netflix that are triggering you to go down a path you don't want to go down. So you've got to manage the mind. And unfortunately, porn is now an epidemic. It's everywhere. You know, I read this week that the revenue of the porn industry is greater than the NFL, the NBA, Major League Baseball, and NHL combined. The average age for a boy to view pornography is five years old. The average age for a girl is eight. Thank you, iPhone. That's the world we live in. It, it's everywhere. And we don't need to be surprised if our, if our children... Our kids are struggling or they're looking at things. We, we need to go to them in advance and say, hey, when, when you, when you, you're going you're gonna to see these things. Like someone somewhere is going to show you something. It, it's inevitable in the world we live in to completely shelter them with kids at their schools, with phones and everything else. You're going to see it. And when you see it, it's going to trigger some things and emotions in your mind and in your body. And I want you to come talk to me about it because you don't need to talk to your friends about this because they don't understand it. I'll tell you the truth. And you build that relationship ahead of time where they can talk to you about things. What I used to do with my son is I would, you know, when he started turning six, seven, eight years old, I would just ask him words in the car. Have you heard this word at school? 
No. Okay, if you ever hear it and you want to know what it means, ask me. Have you heard? So the first person he's hearing those words from is me. Is me. So he feels safe coming to me and talking about it because it's everywhere. Like we, we've got phones, social media, on-demand porn. We have Facebook affairs. Like if you reconnect with an old flame on Facebook, they call it the zero to 60 rule. In 30 days, you'll be confused about your marriage. In 60 days, you'll be trying to find a way to sleep with them. The research is there. That's the zero to 60 rule on Facebook. Kindle, uh, there's an epidemic right now of women reading erotic novels on Kindle. I, I read an article about that just the other day. I mean, it, it's, we got to manage our mind because, again, it's all about what's in our mind. Back to week one, Romans 8, those who are dominated by the sinful nature. So this is an area that, that is dominating you. The reason is you think about sinful things. What are you putting in your mind? Like, what are, you, what are you consuming? But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. That's why soul fasting and media fasting is so important from time to time. If your sinful nature controls your mind, so if you're feeding your mind the wrong stuff, it's going to produce death in your life. But if the Holy Spirit controls your mind, you feed your mind the right stuff, you're going to experience life and peace, and that's my desire for you. David put it like this, I will set before my eyes no vile thing. What are you setting before your eyes? What thoughts do you need to take captive? What is the enemy using to pull you away? What decisions do you, do you need to make to manage? How do you feed yourself more grace and reject the lies? Here's the fourth one. Maintain healthy relationships. And can I tell you, everybody that I know who has failed in this journey has ignored this step. Everybody who's failed has ignored this step. I know people have done all the other steps but they ignore this one and they don't succeed. They don't get free. You got to maintain healthy relationships, which means you need to get rid of some unhealthy relationships because you've got some relationships in your life right now that need to be cut off. You know it's not a good relationship. You know it's healthy. Some guy at work always telling dirty jokes and, and you enjoy being around him, but it, it's, it's infiltrating your mind and you got to cut that off. Like some of you are in a dating relationship right now and the person doesn't love God and they don't have your best interests and God's been working on your heart and you know it's not, you know, but you're scared or insecure and, and you just don't know what to do. I'm telling you right now, we've done this before as a church and, and we've actually had people who did it. Uh, I'll tell you right now, pull out your phone right now while I'm preaching and text that person and say, it's over. Just, just right now say, it's over, we're done. Cut it off right now. Because it's not healthy, and it's not God's best for you, and you know it's not, and it's bringing you into the wrong places. The Bible puts it like this, bad company corrupts good character. You show me your friends, I'll show you your future. This is why small groups as a church are critical. We've got a semester starting right now. The online directory is open and available. Find the right relationships in your life. James puts it like this, make this your common practice. Those of you who follow Jesus Christ, those of you who are committed to Christ, those of you who are Christians, this should be a common practice in your life. Confess your sins to each other. So somebody needs to know what's going on. You can't keep that a secret. You're only as sick as your secrets. And pray for each other. Why? So that you can live together whole and healed. So here's how it works. God's job is to forgive you. It's not God's job to stop you from doing it again. That's why we confess to one another. And can I, can I clue you in? We don't do this on Sunday. Like you can't do this verse on Sunday. There's too many people here. This happens in small groups. 
This happens when you get into community with people who know your heart, know your life, know what you're going through. All of a sudden, you can begin to share about the struggles, the secrets, the issues, and you will find wholeness and you will find healing. Now, let me, let me just throw a plug out there real quick. If this is an area where there's any guys here that, that, that you either need preventative maintenance, like, like you need to make sure you prevent this area from becoming an issue in your life, or maybe it already is an issue, I want you to email Nick today. And I'm not putting an anonymous email. Like sometimes we put info at Coastline Church. No, you need to email somebody that you know. Nick, you can know. Nick, Nick is one of our leaders here. He leads all of our conquer groups, all of our pure... Every group that deals with this stronghold, he leads those groups in our church. And this is his personal email, so you don't have to worry about who's going to get your email and who's going to know. He's the only one that's going to know you can talk to him, he'll respond to you, and he will give you advice on what the best next step is for you, help you find a group, whatever it is, get you connected to the right relationships so that you can find freedom in this area of your life. Now, let me, let me close very quickly with this. The key to this journey is not getting free of the stronghold. The key to this journey is stepping into God's promise for your life. In other words, the goal for the Israelites was not to get out of Egypt. The goal was to get to the promised land. How many of you know there, there were many Israelites who got out of Egypt that did not make it to the promised land? So it's not about getting you out of Egypt. You can get free of this stronghold, but if you don't ever step into your promise, we failed you as a church. Because the goal of our church is not to get you free. The goal is to get you connected to your purpose and the promise that God has for your life. So here's point five, magnify God's plan for my life. You got to get your eyes on the prize. You can't, just, you can't just think about getting free of this. you got to have some motivation and some focus for why God wants to bring you freedom in this area. Paul puts it like this, with promises like this. So God has a promise for your life. They pull us on. So you got to get hold of the promise that will pull you out of this. Like you've got this area that, that, that it's hard to defeat. It's a stronghold. It's a lie that you bought into for so long. You need a promise. You need some truth that'll pull you out of that lie. He says, let's make a clean break with everything. So when you grab hold of that promise, all of a sudden you've got this ability to make a clean break of everything that defiles or distracts both within and without. Let's make our entire lives, here's the challenge, fit and holy temples for the worship of God. Let, let, let's create our entire life for His service, for who He is, His holiness. Would you close your eyes with me for a moment? Father, in the name of Jesus, God, I come before you today, and I know a message like this is going to hit many nerves on many different levels for people. And so I pray right now for just your gentle healing touch to come over their life. Let them know that you didn't expose anything to cause pain, but you brought it up so that area of their life can be healed today. And they can begin a journey to freedom. Holy Spirit, do what only you can do. Let these lies that our culture has fed us be broken down and let us embrace the truth, the promises that can pull us on so that we can let go of everything that defiles or distracts both within and without, and we can become fit and holy temples for your worship. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me?
today, if you need to give your life to Christ, I would encourage you to stop by our prayer terrace on your way out. We have a team of, of trained prayer workers that would love to pray with you. If the message hit a nerve today, feel free to stop and pray with someone today. They'd love to pray with you. Again, there's no condemnation here. If anything else is going on, maybe you filled out a prayer card before you turn it in. Stop by the prayer terrace. I've been getting great reports of how much people are enjoying it. It's more of a semi-private area where you can have someone really pray with you with what's going on in your life. That's available for you right outside. Ask any of our workers or leaders if you don't find it, if you can't see it. Just ask them where it is. They'll point it out to you. Let's sing one song of worship and then we'll be closed.